you say praise the Lord to that this morning Lord let me never forget what you've done for me in my life I want to say thank you Lord that you didn't leave me like I was and you testify that this morning I appreciate that mercy let's bow our heads and speak to him awesome wonderful precious lovely Lord Jesus Lord we thank you today that you took pity and mercy upon these people (laughs) upon me Lord God A wretch that's been saved by your matchless and wonderful grace, Lord. Lord, we stand here so this morning so very grateful. Knowing that the only reason we're still alive is because of your mercy. Lord, we're thankful to you, Jesus. We appreciate, Lord, your presence and your moving in our worship service. Lord, our our hearts cry as that it's pleased you, Lord. As we brought our cup of praise, our sacrifice. To pour out at your feet, Lord, to anoint you, Lord God, with our words of love and thankfulness. Lord, we thank you today. We pray, Lord, now as we turn to the ministry of your word. Lord, the ground's been tilled up. That's what the worship service does. It starts tearing down those walls. Tears down all those walls of indifference and and hurts and pains and, and things that this world tries to do to us all the time, Lord. But now they're tore down in your presence. And we can accept your word in a heart full of faith. We adore you this morning, Lord. I ask that you would move in such a special way in the heart of every believer here, Lord. That you would minister to their need, Lord. I believe with all my heart, oh God, that you're still Jehovah Jireh. That you're still the provider, Lord. We each one here today have needs, Lord, in many different varying ways. But God, I know that you'll meet that need right now. Don't let us miss our opportunity. Don't miss, Lord, don't let us miss you as you pass through the room this morning, Lord. For we each one want a closer walk with you. We each one, Lord, must die out to ourselves so that you can reign supreme in us. Each one of us, Lord, are hungering and thirsting for more of you. And your word says, they that do, they'll be filled. Lord, we come this morning with our cup turned up, with a hungry heart, expecting to see the God, the creator of the universe, to move in this room this morning. We adore you, Lord, and we love you, and we worship you, and we pray you would bless our brothers and sisters in such a wonderful way. We thank you for your goodness and your lovely name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. God bless you this morning while you're standing. If you'll turn over to the first Peter chapter two. Get right to our scripture reading and let his word to start changing us a little more and more and more. Are you here today to be changed by his word? Or are you here to block his word? 
We'll start right there in, in chapter, Peter chapter 1, Peter, 1 Peter 1, chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read several verses while you're standing. God bless you this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. God bless you. I appreciate you being here. I pray that, that God will reveal himself even more clearer to you this morning than you've ever seen him. Chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. As newborn babes desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You may be seated this morning. <coughs> our, our, our title for our sermon this morning will be the stone of stumbling. Now, <coughs> I believe we serve a God that's very, very gentle. Very gentle. I tell you all the time, I believe he's a gentleman. I believe he's the most kindest, gracious, merciful one you'll ever meet in all your life. And when you fall in love with him, you'll agree to that. When you start to see what you used to be and how you used to be against him. The Bible said that we were his enemy. He died to save us. When you were God's enemy, he died to save you. He could have threw you in the lake of fire and just been done. But when you were his enemy, he said, I love you. I love you. I appreciate his gentleness this morning. As, as, we, as we walk through this this morning and see what God has for us, there, there is, <clears throat> we've shared a lot about <clears throat> what God does in, has done in our day and us being the recipients of that and being each one the mercy that God's allowed it to our lives to having been born and alive in this day. We, we sing all the time, there's never been a day like this one. Good and bad, that's a true statement. Good and bad, that's a true statement. There's never been more demonic oppression, more de demons turned out upon you than ever before in all history, ever, 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 ever before. But there's never been more of God available to you than ever before. Because he opened himself up to you so that you may know him, those that love his appearing. Now, as, as, as Malachi would tell us there that you would be raised up as calves in the stall. That as the Lord would come to you and you'll start your walk with the Lord. Now this doesn't matter if your journey with him started at 90 years old or 2 years old. Whatever it might be. He's the same gentle father. Brother Ram would say that in uh, Christ the Mystery God revealed that God loves fatherhood because he was a father. And he loves fatherhood. And we shared that with you Wednesday night. The prophet would tell us that if your child is learning how to walk and goes to walk down through that aisle and falls down. A good father won't spank that child for falling down. You know, he's just now learning how to walk. He'd have mercy and grace with it. He'd come alongside you and he'd pick you up and, and help you to stand up and hold you for a minute. And just love on you for a minute and say, now, now walk this way. Walk this way. We, was, uh, <clears throat> we were looking for a quote. Me and Bethany was talking in bed Wednesday night after church. And there was a quote we were talking about. And I started looking at my phone. I just typed in what I thought it said. And, and it actually pulled up something else that, I, that was really a blessing to me. And Brother Ram was talking about um, you know, the reason why we don't sprinkle. The reason why we baptize. And the reason why we don't baptize babies or sprinkle babies. The baby doesn't know the Lord Jesus. The baby doesn't, the, what's being done is not anything that the, the baby has made a, 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 a choice for. 
That baby is not saying, yes, I'm, I'm six weeks old, two weeks old, I choose the Lord Jesus. They have no mental capacity at that moment because they don't know him. All they know is their dad and their mom, and that's all they know. And, and, and then so, but as they come to their own walk with the Lord and, and they meet him, that's when they're to be baptized. And they make that decision, will you follow him in his death? And that's what a bar- that's that water baptism is. It's a death. It's a burial. You go down into a cold, watery grave. And it's not supposed to be you that comes back up. That old man is supposed to be buried in that water. And that new man comes up in a, a, as you come up out of him. Now, and he said that the reason why we don't sprinkle, he said that's just because the Bible teaches to baptize. And, and it's got to be at an age of accountability. Now, <clears throat> he said, but what we do do, what we do, he said, you look at Jesus I, I can't say it as sweet as Brother Benham says. He said, but what the Lord Jesus would do, they'd bring their babies to him. And they'd lay them, he'd take them in his arms, and he'd pull their babies up to their his chest. He'd love on them, and he'd pray for them and bless them. And, and then he'd hand them back to their mom and dad. And, and he said, I dedicate them unto the Lord. And that's what we do as believers. We dedicate them unto the Lord. And, and that's God saying, look, Lord, I know that that would be my genetic son or my genetic daughter. But, Lord, I'm giving them back to you, Lord. I know that in my own self, my own strength, I am so incapable of doing what you can do, Lord. So I surrender that gift back to you, Lord. I pray that you'll take over and, and brood over that child all the days of their life and, and bring them so gently up to thy side when they are old enough to recognize him. I love that. Now, in your walk with the Lord, and again, doesn't matter how old you are, because there's some that didn't accept the Lord until they were in their 90s. But around beyond the curtain of time, there's a woman, a young woman, 18, 20 years old, runs up to him and says, my precious brother, my precious brother. And the angel of the Lord says, do you recognize her? He said, I don't. He said she was in her 90s when she gave her heart to the Lord in one of your meetings. In her 90s. Well, how could he recognize her? <laughs> Don't look nothing the same, but, but you understand, that's when she gave her heart to God. <clears throat> so whether you're a teenager, or matter what it be, or 90, or whatever you know, your age may be, as you start out, you start out as a calf in the stall. So it, the way this works is a, you have, a, you have a, you know, a, something is birthed. Something is birthed, a, a, a dad and a mom, whether it be cow or, or bull, something is birthed. And, and you're supposed to have a word birth. You're to become alive in the revealed word of your hour. You don't want to be born in Luther's day. You don't want to be born in, in Wesley's day. You want to be born in the revealed word of the hour. You have to have a word birth for your day. And when you come alive, now you've been birthed in and you're a new man, but you're still, as Peter would say, as a newborn babe in Christ. You know, that's not saying a newborn babe in, in your family or your family or, or this creed or this dogma that you've been birthed now into Christ. And, and, and Paul would say it this way, that you've now been set into heavenly places. Brother Brown would say, what is heavenly places? It's just the believer's position in Christ. And you're thinking, man, that's about the most subdued thing you ever said. It's just the believer's position in Christ, heavenly places. That'll make you start screaming this morning. It's the believer's position in Christ. So as you're now, as newborn babes and you're coming to the word, there's a lot of things that you can't take yet. You can't take, as a newborn babe, you can't take the deep meat of the word that you've got to grow your stomach. No one's given Ella steak six weeks out the gate. No one's given her all these things. The stomach can't digest it. And it's the same thing in your spiritual walk. As you're coming to the Lord, and I was talking to a brother last night, and I was sharing some things with him. He said, I don't understand all of those different things. I said, it's okay. That's okay. The word of God is a seed. 
And it has now been planted through your ears. It's in your heart. You maybe forget the exact words I use, but God that gives the increase, the God that planted the seed, he said he'd water it day and night. He'll bring it back when you're ready. And this will be brought back. This will be quickened. And he who leads and guides to all wisdom and truth will place it right where it's got to go. So as it's being raised up and that seed is being planted and you're coming along and you're taking the milk of the word, you're seeing how wonderful he is, how precious he is. And it says, if you've so tasted, the Lord is gracious. Have you this morning tasted that the Lord Jesus is very gracious, very kind and wonderful? Is that, would you testify this morning that he is the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the mighty God? Is that who he is to you this morning? So as you come to him in that, and you, you know that you've been redeemed, you know you're being, you're being restored, and you realize that I, I did deserve hell. I did deserve a just payment for what I did, but someone paid my price. Someone stepped in and paid the debt that I owed and actually gave their life as my ransom. Actually changed what I was supposed to be and took that and put them on themselves and, in matter of fact, went to hell for me. Everybody on the same page this morning. You know that your sin sent him to hell. My sin sent him to hell. And so he gladly took them. He became sin, he who knew no sin. And he took them to hell. And you're learning this as a newborn believer, as a newborn man. You're learning all these wonderful and precious things. And as Peter would say, now that you've started in the faith, You're in the faith, and it's that foundation. You realize, because faith, you have to believe in something. Hebrews would say that he that comes to God must believe that he is. And they've got a period there. Must believe that he is. He is what? That he is God. So Hebrews would also say the word of God is quick and powerful. It's dividing to the ascent of the bone and the marrow. It's to discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And this is where man always trips and falls. Satan will tell you nobody's watching. Nobody's listening. Nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody will know. No one will know. But he always knows. He's always there. And he's always keeping an account. Not of just everything that comes out of our mouth, but everything that you think. And you'll give an account for it. You'll give an account for every thought you think. It's just the truth. So as you're in that and you're being raised up and that foundation is being established, any foundation has to be established. You're not going to get a good foundation if we were to go to build a building over here and just took a track hole and started digging up the ground and go to layout footings and doesn't do any background compression. And what that means is, is, is when you're digging out a spot, you're trying to get it ready for the footings, which is the footings is what the, the it's just your foundation. The footings, a lot of times for a house, are about 16 inches wide, 12 to 16 inches deep and that's a band of concrete all the way around the house that's what the house sits on how many here have seen a house that's settled really really bad anybody ever seen a house like that the foundation failed now whether that was through drought through washout or something like earthquakes something like that but the foundation actually failed so you understand that as you're being built in the basis of the faith of a believer, you're being built up in the faith of Christ. Jude would say you want to be built up in that most holy faith that was once delivered to the saints. So as that's being placed out and you're understanding in a clarity of who God is at the best of your ability in that form and in that state. And you're coming to a faith in him, not a generic thing, not just something that, well, I believe my light switch will come on. I believe my car will start, but now it's being turned from it's something out of the ordinary 
See, it's ordinary to turn that light switch on. It's ordinary to take your car, your key, and put your You know what's going to start. It's very ordinary. But when you start to believe something that's extraordinary or not natural but supernatural, not in this dimension but something from that dimension, which links through the promise of this word. See, this word is a door that leads from this dimension to that dimension. These promises were laid up, and you have access them from this dimension into that. When you reach into that dimension, said, I believe that. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says that the things that we see are temporal. Anything that you see, it's temporal, temporary. But the things that you don't see, that's eternal. Brother Brown said, everything you see is not really real. This isn't real. This is just a, it's just what it is. This isn't the reality. The reality is the word of God. The reality is that dimension. The reality is that promise that he's made up. But you have no access to that promise if you won't even believe it. It doesn't matter if the seals are open. It doesn't matter if the lie of the tribe of Judah stepped forward. None of that matters if you don't believe it. <clears throat> so you've got to be built up in a good basis of faith. So, again, back to our compaction or pressure as the foundation is being dug out. Uh, if anybody ever seen a basement go in out here or they'll go through and they'll dig out their foundation. A lot of times in that digging, uh, they'll go too deep or, or too wide and they have to come back with a, some type of a, a wacky pack or some kind of tamp and press the dirt down good and hard so that the, when the concrete and everything goes in, it doesn't just sink. You might know what I'm talking about. If you've ever driven down the road and you see them work on these big highways, a lot of times you'll see a big tractor and with a big yellow rolling thing with like big knobs on it. As it roll, drives, it rolls and it compacts the dirt. You might call it a sheep's foot. As that thing rolls, it's pumping, you know, punching the dirt down really good. If you've ever seen the steamrollers on, on uh, pavement, as the, as the pavement's being poured out, they run a steamroller over it. Everybody understand so far? So as you're laying that product out, you can't just, like with asphalt, you can't just dump it out there and go on and think everything's going to be okay. No, it's got to have a pressure come behind it to smash it down to where it now can be used. It's got to be smashed down so they can be used. That's what that compaction rate, this is all in the basics of foundation. So as you're being pressed down, and that's where you die and he comes alive. The old you is being pressed out and he's coming to life. It's an amazing thing. I was listening to adoption series the other day, and it just never clicked to me before. And I've heard this so many times in my life. It never had clicked to me. About the oil that they would anoint Aaron with, they're the high priest. They would anoint him with an oil. And you'll, of course, remember your mind that as it was poured onto him, that it would run down through his beard, it would run over his clothes, and it would drip off. It would drip off as he walked. They would be so anointed with that oil. But the Ram said what they would do is they would get the rose of Sharon, that flower, and they would crush that flower to get the oil out of that flower. flower. They would crush it. The rose of Sharon, crush it to anoint him with and pour it on him. You know who the rose of Sharon is. You know who he is. It crushed him so that you might be anointed. And then that affected that in his life now because our walk with the Lord must be as, as you would see there with Aaron. Aaron is anointed by the Holy Ghost. 
the oil. He's anointed by the Holy Ghost. And as he walked, they had a bell on him that everywhere he walked, it rang holy, 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 holy unto the Lord. Holy, holy. Everywhere he walked, his walk was holy. It was pleasing to the Lord. Paul would say you must walk circumspectly before the Lord. You must examine yourself as we preach on Wednesday night. You must watch each part of it. We're not just, you're just flicking through the weeds and as haphazardly can be. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Basics. Basics. As a newborn babe in Christ, you desire that sincere milk, that milk of the word. Then you start to grow. And, and see, he's called El Shaddai, El Shaddai for a reason. He's called the breasted one for the reason. He was told Abraham, you'll nurse your life for me. That's not, it's a similar to a, a, a mom and her baby, but it's more, it's different. It's, it's not in the natural sense, but you're actually pulling eternal life, eternal strength out of him, the Emmanuel's veins, and you're pulling it right into yourself, and it's changing you, because as you put the kingdom into you, you become the kingdom. The prophet was saying, Christ the mystery, that you become the word as the word goes through you, goes through you. Everybody with me so far? Sincere milk of the word. And in this stage, and in this part, you're going to have, again, every attack out of hell. Every demon coming against you. Because they cannot have you be believing. They can't be having you believing. Can't have it. Can't have it. I've shared with you many times, I don't know what they can see. I don't know what they can see. So my assumption is that because Jesus would say that, that a city set on a hill cannot be healed and you will never take a candle, hide it under a bushel and, and hide it away. You will never see that. So in the spark of God is in your life and that is a spark. And let's just say right now there's a spark. And as faith comes in, it begins to grow bigger and bigger. And now we can't, we don't have eyes that can see that spark of God in your life, but I guarantee you they can. So when that starts to grow and bloom, they're like, send everybody, send everybody, send everybody. And you start getting something from the Lord and you feel yourself drawing closer. And now your troubles and trials and temptations, everything hits you harder than ever before. You're like, what is going on? I've not even told somebody. I've not even shared with somebody what God is doing. I'm just sitting here thinking, Lord, I appreciate that. Lord, that's good showing you. And you can feel faith rise. And here comes a smack of the devil. Here comes a smack of the devil. They can see it. My assumption. These are my assumptions. My assumptions. This is how they can see it. Because I can't see it. There's many times you think about yourself. You think about you didn't realize that faith began to grow in you. You didn't realize faith began to grow in you until you went through a test in your trial and you survived it. And the only way you survived it is through the grace and the faith of God. You won't survive it on your own. You absolutely won't survive on your own. You'll be washed away with any wind of doctrine. You'll just be washed away with any flood of the enemy. But something built up to where you could stand. That you could stand there for. That you could hold fast. You could gird up your loins. You could stand like a man. And you're like, how is this even happening? Faith has grown in your heart. And that process, building up, building up, building up. But again, you have to believe it. What if you say, I don't believe faith grew in my heart. I don't believe it whatsoever. But you survived all these things. Coincidence. Coincidence. Nobody knows why I'm still here. It must be a fluke. Must be. Makes no sense. No, you've grown, but you've got to believe it. Faith is simple. Faith is simple. God makes himself simple for us to be able to understand him and see him. Otherwise, you won't ever get him. I know a lot of people want to make him so, want to make it so complicated. 
See, to me, one of the greatest things ever happened on this planet was the preaching of the seven seals. The opening of the Lord. See, that's, that's my, my opinion, one of the greatest things. That's why there's never been a day like this day. God stepped forward and opened his word. Now, anybody else agree with me? Everybody agree with me? That's one of the, to me, that's just my opinion. It's one of the greatest things ever on this planet. So before the first seal is preached, before the breach, the message of the breach, between the seven church ages and the seven seals is preached, before that happened, that morning, Brother Brown preached a sermon called God Hiding Himself in Simplicity. And just a, a week later, two weeks later, April the 12th, at the end of it, one of the next sermons he preached after the seventh seal and questions and answers on the seal was God hiding himself in simplicity. Oh, you're too simple. You're too, too simple. God makes himself simple so that not even a fool could err therein. See, Peter was called a fool. You're idiote. You're an idiot. You're just, you don't unlearn. You don't know anything. But anyone that would meet him after the upper room, please, anyone that would meet him after the upper room would say this right here. We can tell you've been with Jesus. See, I want that said about me. I'd rather you said that about me than said I was a very deep preacher. I'd rather you say, I can tell he's been the Lord Jesus than say, oh man, he's got everything figured out. He knows all the depth. I'd much rather you say that he has been with the Lord Jesus. That's just me. That's just, again, I want to be as simple as possible as can be. Now, let's go on a little bit further in chapter, in chapter 2, verse 3. If so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Again, it's just the sweetness of that relationship. Now, to verse 4. To whom coming, to whom coming unto you as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. And I know I've preached this chapter, this, this book to you a lot, but, but it, it, it's beautiful and he's precious. He is precious. Now, <clears throat> you're talking about him, a living stone. That's who he is. He's the rock of revelation. He's a stone hewed out of the mountain without hands. Now, verse 5, you also as a lively stone or a living stone, you a lively stone, not meant to your heart be hardened, not meant to be that, but meant that you can stand all the pressure. You can stand, and you've been chosen, and you've been cut to be able to lay into the foundation. That's what it means. You've been cut. You've been shaped. You've been on the potter's wheel. You know, you can't take it. If anyone ever seen any masonry work, a lot of times they've got to cut different rocks to be able to fit in whatever they're wanting to do. For example, if we're going to put a rock wall over this right here, put rock over this wall, as we go over the, the window or under the window, you're going to have a piece that's going to be cut kind of like right there to go under it. Right? You're going to have to be cut around that, cut around that. If we're going around this, this speaker, then we've got to cut, notch that rock out to be placed into the body of Christ. To be placed into. That way you fit fitly into the body. And God would work on you. And you must not say, what are you doing? You, the pot can't say to the potter, why hast thou made me thus? I didn't like how you did that. He said, it's my plan, not yours. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And you step back and say, Lord, have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord. Lively stones being placed as a living stone. You're built up, again, from the basics, the basics as a spiritual house. You're built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable. Now, this doesn't mean a lot to you unless we had time to jump back in the Old Testament. 
And the way that this worked was you would bring your lamb. Thank you, Brother Matt. You would bring your lamb to the priest, and the priest would inspect it. He would look it over. And if there was any little blemish, if there was any little mark or mar on it, he'd tell you, take it on out of here. I won't accept it. I won't accept it. I, won't, I don't want it. If he goes to look at your life and look you over and says, no, I don't want that, and you would just be... The Bible says that after the marriage supper, after the marriage supper at the white right throne, you have the goats on the left, the sheep on the right. And he tells them, depart from me. I never knew you. And it said they were bound hand and feet and there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth as they were cast away. They were not accepted. They were not accepted. Everybody on the same page with me so far. You have the lambs on the right. You have the sheep on the left. And he asked them. He said, you never would feed me when I was hungry. You would not clothe me when I was naked. You would not give me a drink of water. You would not visit me when I was sick. Then he turned. He said, you on my left side. Then he turns to the sheep on his right side. And he said, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. When I had no place to stay, you let me live. All these different things. And they said, Lord, when did we do these things to you? When did we do these things to you? He said, when you did it under the least of these. He tells them, you depart that way, not accepted. These are accepted. He said, to be acceptable. acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Our lives are meant to be a sacrifice under the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody still with me so far? Nobody's asleep and falling out on me. Acceptable to the Lord Jesus Christ. By a show of hands, who wants their life to be acceptable to the Lord Jesus Christ? Nobody? Nobody? Okay. Acceptable to him. Not to me, not to the church, but to him. (laughs) He said, wherefore? Also, it's contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. It's elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. That believes on the stone that the builders rejected. That believes on the cornerstone. Now, the thing about the cornerstone, again, just to stay as simple as can be, it ties everything together. It ties everything. The cornerstone, you could be shooting up wild here because it's a pyramid, shooting up wild here and here, but it grabs all of those points and pulls them together. Right away, you have the unity of the brethren. You have the unity of the faith to be pulled together in Christ, seated together in heavenly places with him. Unity of the faith. There were some wonderful services we got to be in down in Oklahoma this week, and amazing services. I was talking to a brother that preached, and I was telling him, I said, brother, that was just wonderful. He said, the only way that it was this wonderful is because the unity of the brothers in the room. It's the only reason it was that successful, is because the unity of the brothers in the room. That unity of the people. And you think about people sitting there in a service and their, their heart's not right or they're fighting you. And you've got to try to preach and fight through that and fight through that and fight through that. But when they're all sitting there in one heart and one accord, God can do anything. He can do anything. I was listening this morning as we were singing our, our worship service. And, and it started off a little bit slow. And, but then as the spirits begin to break and the Lord starts to move. And, and the volume of the praise of his people begins to rise. And the glory going to the Lord begins to rise. You watch it just clear those demons out of the room. Amen. Clear them out. Wednesday night was pretty rough. Wednesday night song service was pretty rough. It was. It was rough. There wasn't but a few of us here. It was pretty rough. Satan was fighting pretty good. He, he threw some pretty good punches Wednesday night. We preached. We had a service. And after service, 
Whatever demon fought us in the beginning of service was annihilated after service. Annihilated after service. I, I tell you this all the time. I'd love if God would open our eyes and let us see the welts and bruises upside that thing. Lord, show us what that praise does. You know, praise will do that to a demon. Praise will lay marks on that demon that he don't want to ever mention. I don't want to speak of. I thought Wednesday night after, after it was over, I thought, you know, if that ever happens again, I'm going to walk up here and I'm going to read where, Joseph, where J, uh, Joshua went to the, to the, the, right there to the battle, to, right there where, um, where Jericho's be brought down and start reading that scripture, what the shout of the people means. I'm going to start reading that scripture. We're going to stop service right then and there, and we're going to read the scripture, what the shout of the people means. It tears that wall down. Amen. And then you watch the word of God go to effect. It's easy to get in our tests and trial and, oh, just marching to Zion, and you're not there. You're not really in the room. Your body's here, but your heart's not here. And when you get back into focus, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me tie this back to the word. The word says that the shout of the people will tear that wall down. So let's give him glory and praise and run that thing out of the room. Give him glory. He said, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. He's elect. He's precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. I've shared that with you many times. Jesus said in the last days, this day, this day, in the last days, it'll be so close that it would deceive the very elected if it were possible. Everybody knows the scripture? Do I need to go to it? Jesus said. Everybody on page, Jesus said that it would be so close in the last days would deceive the very elect if it were possible. Now, I say all the time, I love that the point where, to me, that's like a guarantee. That's like a, that's almost a boast and a brag. He says, it's not possible. I guarantee it. And I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so right here, Peter's saying that if you'll believe in him, you won't be confounded. You won't be confounded. Now, let's just pause. Let's jump back to Jesus at 12 years old in the temple. He's sitting there talking to these Pharisees, these scribes, these priests, these men who have only all their life studied the word of God. That's only all they ever do. And probably most of them had it memorized. And he's sitting there confounding them with his wisdom at 12 years old. The word was confounding them who were supposed to know the word. The word was confounding them. They did not believe in him. They did not believe in him. They didn't believe in the word. We know the letter. We believe this says, and he says, but you've missed everything. You've absolutely missed everything. You've missed everything. He says that you'll not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he's precious. Again, I hope this is real simple. This is the promise of God to you right now today. Unto you, therefore, that believe that he's precious. Amen. I believe he's precious. He said, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corn. I want to jump back. Don't lose your page right there. I'm going to read this to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. <clears throat> For unto us, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, you can write it down. You don't have to jump there. For unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Not mixed with faith. It did no profit to them. No profit to them. No profit. Mixed, not mixed with faith. So, unto you therefore which believe he's precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, they did not want him, they would not pick him, he was not their choice. You know, elected means, the word elect. Because it just said that he's elect. 
You think about that. But we just read to you that he's elect. Where's we at? Verse 6. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect. That means someone chose him. We have elections. We, we vote for governors and mayors and presidents. And someone picked someone to vote for. I picked that person to vote for. You go and you vote for that person. You've elected that person. So there's someone that picks him. We just read to you that these others, they don't want him. They disallowed him. They could just throw him as far as they possibly could. They're like, no, thank you. They're disobedient. The same is made the head of the corner. Now, here's our title. Verse 8. And a stone of stumbling. And a stone of stumbling. That's our title this morning. a stone of stumbling. Those that were disobedient... They, they disallowed him. They didn't want him. That it's been made now a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. We quoted that to you, I think, on Wednesday night where Jesus was standing there and the disciples of John, they come to him and they was, John's in prison. John's going through a really, really hard time and, and John's getting discouraged in prison. John's getting depressed and, and John's not seeing daylight however many days. John ain't had a good meal in how many days and he's there because of the cause of Christ. He's there because he's preaching the word of God and the word of God is over there and the word of God is not coming delivering me, he thought. And he's sitting there and he got offended. And Jesus makes this statement when the, his disciples, John's disciples, come to him and they start talking to him and he said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. You would almost think John would have a reason to be offended. But you're missing the point. Trials, tests, tribulations, therefore you're good. Therefore, you're good. That way, you don't keep being the person standing up. Eventually, it won't you be there standing no more. It won't be you the one getting back from the trial. Every time you get crushed down, more of him stands up. Every time more of you gets crushed down, more of him stands up. And eventually, it will only be him. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. You've got to see predestination. You've got to see predestination. I was talking with Andrew Wheeler about uh, There's a brother that I, we got to meet last year when we was out there at their July meetings. And he's a UPC brother and, and just a wonderful, precious brother. But he can't see predestination, at least at this moment. He can't see predestination. And I asked him, I said, did you take him to Romans 8? Did you take into Romans chapter 8? You can't get out of the book of Romans chapter 8 and not believe in predestination, election, foreknowledge, uh, called according to the purpose of his will. You can't get out of it. You have to literally rip that page out of your Bible and say, I don't believe it. For them, he did foreknow. He did predestinate. This isn't nothing new. You've read the Bible. This is what the Bible says. You were predestinated. You were foreknown. You were elected. And if the good was, so was the bad. He said, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Before either child did anything good or bad, Esau was hated, Jacob was loved. God knew what the heart of Esau would be. Now, if you looked at Jacob when he was still Jacob, you'd have said, are you sure? Are you? This man will con and rob you blind. He robbed his own, he conned his own father-in-law. Conned his own father-in-law. There's no way it's a godly man. No way. 
Let's look at Abraham. Abraham gets turned back young again, 100 years old. Sarah's 90. They go down to, uh, uh, what was it, Abimelech. And he tells Sarah again, just tell me you're my sister. He lies. It's not, it's not, it's not that she wasn't his half-sister, but he's trying to deceive. It's not that, that he didn't, what he didn't say wasn't true, but the attempt to deceive. And you've got to watch that in your heart. Satan will give that to you every time. Well, I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't. And well, yeah, no. She's my half-sister. She's also my wife. He'd have been clean and clear before the Lord. So as Abimelech says, okay. You know, I've got all these beautiful, the harem of all these beautiful women the prettiest of women in their prime. Got a bunch of them. I mean, they're just, they're just, oh my goodness, look at her. I got every color, every hair color, every eye color, every height, every shape, and they're the best. And, and wait a minute, now a 90-year-old woman just walked in. It didn't look like no 90-year-old woman. Body change. Body change. Restored back young. And let me tell you something. When God does something, he does it very well does it very well. So you have all of the world's beauty, all the world's glamour, everything that's shiny to the world, all of that. And then you have a restored daughter of God walks in the room. And that man said, I have flesh, all those things, but I want that. I want that right there. But, but they, they'll, no, I want that. He saw, no, God does things very well. She ain't got to have makeup on. She ain't got to be dressed like that. She ain't got to have her hair chopped off. She ain't got to be walking a certain way. You know, heels are designed a certain way to make a woman walk a certain way, to accentuate certain parts of her body. That's the way these things were designed. Who do you think designed those? The devil, the influence of the devil, all these different things. Where that now, you can't even go buy Sadie, my three-year-old daughter, a lot of clothes at Walmart. Most of them are belly shirts. Three years old. Three years old. They're out getting selling clothes at Walmart. Show my little three. They want to show her a little stomach. Where did that come from? That's just out of the pit of hell. Out of the pit of hell. I was told you just a few weeks ago, they had the fair, the, the little car show over here. And as I was walking back, they were, had that Beach Boy song playing, Two Girls for Every Boy. What woman in her right mind would want to be the number two to a guy? Well, me and her. Nobody in their right mind would want that. There's something wrong in their mind. Satan has blinded their minds. Blinded their minds. So tore them down. Tore that now. I guess I by myself am not good enough. And you see right where he attacks. See, your skin's really not pretty. You should cover it up with this. You should fix your eyes, a little eyeliner. You should tweak your eyebrows. You're not pretty by yourself. You're not pretty by yourself. You should do this. You're not good enough by yourself. You should wear this and do this and to try to. Who created you? The perfecter created you. And he steps back and says, she's beautiful. Satan looks at you and says, I hate you. I hate you so bad. There's nothing good about you. You're ugly. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And he'll tell you a trillion times every single day. You're ugly. You're this. And God stands back and says, I made her. I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased. I was telling a brother just the other day, and I've told this before to you, I love clouds. I love, and, and so many times, I was telling young brothers yesterday, so many times we get busy with our work, and we're always looking at what we're doing, 
We're doing this, whether it's school, whether it's uh, anything like that. And all the time, every second of the day, God has a new cloud going through the sky. Every single second. You realize never one time has he hit pause and it stayed right there? Wait a few to come back and see it. But every single day, he's painting a new picture, a new a cloudscape every single second of every day. And he's like, look up. Just look up. Just look up. Just look up. Look up. And you're over here thinking, oh, does God even love me? Does God care about me? I'm ugly. I'm all these things. And he's like, just look up. Just look up. Just look up. Just look up. When a man once catches that vision, he'll be able to look upward and above the things that are happening around him because he's looking at the unseen yet by promise. And you look up, and each day he's had all these beautiful things for you, confirming his word to you every second of every day. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I shared that with you recently. Brother Ram would say that when Elohim would come down the cool of the evening, and he would walk with Adam and Eve. She wasn't called Eve yet. He'd walk with them in the cool of the garden, and he would ask Adam and his wife every single day. He'd say it like this. He said, Adam and Mrs. Adam, he said, how have you enjoyed your day upon the earth that the Lord thy God created for you? That's not just, hey, how's your day? It's how have you enjoyed your day upon the earth I created for you? And we're like, well, it's been a rough day. It's been a rough day. My phone died. It didn't charge last night. Cars not running right. Gases went up. My paycheck ain't here. Me and my wife are arguing. My kids my, or my dad, my mom, all these different things are going on. And it's just in. I missed my day. I missed my day with the Lord. We sing that song. He was there all the time waiting patiently. In line, the creator of all there is will stand there and wait patiently for you to look his way. He'll stand there and wait for you to look his way. He'll wait for you to give him some time. He'll wait for you to give him some time. And most of the time we get so busy with everything, we ain't got five minutes a day to give him. We ain't got five seconds. Lord, bless us tonight as we lay down and go to sleep. Out. And that's your enemy. You know your enemy. And that's why I, I say this so much. You've got to stay on guard. You've got you've to keep that sword in your hand and say, Satan, I will take back my prayer time. I will take back my reading of Scripture. I'll take back my listening to tape. I'll take it back. And you won't defeat me there ever again. Never again. Never again. They were also were appointed. They're appointed. But you, here's where peace comes from. Here's where hope and joy, love and the blessings and promises of God starts to flow in. Are you the ye this morning? He said, but ye, Peter's talking to you. He says, ye, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Let's whisper hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, make me your people. No, come on now. Thank you, Lord. I'm now the people of God. In time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Glory be his name. Glory be his name. Jump over to John chapter 3 with me. I want to start chapter 3, verse 19. 
John chapter 3, verse 19. Now, now, most people, they can quote at least one part of this verse. Thank you again for the water. But as in the way the devil will trick you, the way the devil will try to get traction on you, he won't let you keep reading. Look at this one scripture and just step off and build your doctrine, build your creed, build your dogma. You must stay balanced in the scriptures or you'll fall on one side or the other. Chapter 3, verse 19, the book of John. This is the condemnation. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world. Lights come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. They love darkness rather than light. They'd rather sit in darkness than the light of God. How many people you know that way today? God has sent a prophet. I don't care. What? You don't care? You, you, maybe you missed, maybe, maybe, okay. You thought I said the president sent a prophet. You thought I said the king sent a prophet. Or the church banded together and said, you're the prophet. No, God sent a prophet. <clears throat> that they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Scripture's true. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. We've shared that with you many times. Once Satan is exposed, once Satan is exposed, he loses all traction in your life. You got to expose him. You grab that thing by the throat and you pull him right in the light. You won't hold me ever again. Ever again. And he said that for everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. We shared that recently with you about Acts chapter 2, verse 38. About that first word out the gate. They asked Peter, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? He tells them a very, 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 very profound word. He says, repent. And people are like, yeah, I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that. Well, I'll do a little bit of it and not all of it. Let's just walk. I, I said before, I had a brother tell me years ago, he, he you know, kind of tore me apart about something that, that me and dad were supposed to have done. He tore me apart on something, then walks up to dad, and, and then he, we supposedly worked it out. He walks up to dad, and he says, hey, if there's anything I ever said to you, forgive me. Thought about you. And this, this is generic and as basic and as vague as can be. And so he left, and I asked dad, later, I said, he tell you the same thing he told me? He's like, no. He told me like one sentence. So I shared everything that he told me. He's like, what? You can't walk up to someone and say, hey, forgive me. And, and, and not give it, okay, for what? You got to confess it. Make it right. Look, I said this. I thought this. Forgive me. It doesn't just, it also sets you free. Because you'll always be thinking, should I have told them that? Should I have said that? Should I have made that clear? Well, they're never going to talk to me again if I do it. They're never going to look at me again. They're never going to want me around again. No, the person will say, I forgive you. And then that chain comes off your life. It comes off your life. Repent. <clears throat> he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Comes to the light. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Aenon near Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Everybody understands the landscape where you're at. You have Jesus still on the scene baptizing. You have John still on the scene baptizing. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples. And again, you'll find this a few times in the Bible. They call them John's disciples. And right there, you got a problem. Right there, you got a problem. 
I'm going to tell you got a problem. Not saying that John was a problem. I'm saying that the people that were walking with John, they're supposed to be listening to John's word, and John said, that's him. That, that's him right there. They should have right then though, we're no longer disciples of John. We're now disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should have changed right then and there. And it should never have been called again the disciples of John. Yes, we used to be, but now we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very fair. Still happens today. <laughs> then there came um, between some, uh, rose, then there, verse 25. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Then they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizer, and all men come to him. Okay, you pointed this guy out and said, This is him. This is the anointed. This is the Messiah. This is, hear ye him. This is the guy right here. You pointed him out. You called these things. Now, that same guy's out there baptizing people, and we're still baptizing people. Who's right? Who's right? To whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same man baptized, the same baptizer, and all men come to him. I say, Praise the Lord. He said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. That's one of the powerful statements you'll ever hear. He said, if I'll be lifted up, I'll draw all men into him. And if you realize if your heart and your life starts lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, people will come to say and say, I want that. I want that. I don't know something different about you, and I want that. You're not pointing at you no more. We was, and I, I'll, I'll drop this in and share this with you. I know I'm getting out of time, as always. Uh, was in, uh, was in, me and uh, two, three brothers were, were looking at a, a, a suit store there in Tulsa. And we've been there for a while looking around, and, and this other old black uh, brother uh, come in as, as a pastor in the area, a Baptist pastor in the area, wonderful, wonderful, precious brother. He starts talking to the, these other, me and these three other brothers, and, and he was telling me, he he's, was just celebrated in the last week or so, his 17th year as pastor at this one particular church, and he'd been a pastor for five years in another church in Tulsa. And he said, in my experience, in my walk with the Lord, <clears throat> he said, I've always taught young preachers this. This is what I've always told young preachers. He said, as you're starting out in your path, in your walk with the Lord, he said, I want you to get you a sheet of, of white paper, 8 by 11 white paper, completely white paper, completely white paper. And he said, I want you to use a pencil, not a pen, a pencil, not a pen. And I want you to put a dot with that pencil in the dead center of that piece of paper. Dead center of that piece of paper. And you realize and remember that you're a dot and God's everything else. And as long as you remember you're just that dot, he'll have supreme. He'll be preeminent in your life. And the thing about the pencil is it'll eventually fade away. And you won't even be there either. It'll just be him. I thought, man, that's one of the most profound things I've ever heard. It's all him. It's not you. It's him. It's him. In verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but that I am, him, but that I am sent before him. That's Malachi chapter 3. Verse 29, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. And he that the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because the bridegroom's voice, this, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Okay, now, we don't have time to go there. You'll jump back in your mind to the book of Genesis. And Abraham has now commissioned Eliezer to go get a wife for Isaac. And he makes Eliezer swear. He makes Eliezer swear, you will not take my son there. 
You will not take my son there. He said, what if she won't come? What if I just go tell her about my, my master, his son Isaac, and she won't, that ain't good enough. I'll need to bring Isaac with me. He said, no, no, no. He made him put his hand under Abraham's thigh and said, you swear to me, you won't take my son there. You go get her a wife. So he goes back to Abraham's people, and as he's going there, he stops at a well and begins to pray. And he said, Lord, I need help. I need leadership. I need guidance. Lord, it could be anybody, but I've got to get the right one. I've got to find the right one. I can't do this on my own. The prophet made a statement like this. He said, I believe the Holy Ghost went before Eliezer by about the space of a half hour. About. See, when the seventh seal was open, there was silence in heaven for about the space of a half hour. The prophet said, I believe the Holy Ghost went before Eliezer, who was going to get a bride for Isaac. And he said, I think the Holy Ghost, I believe, went about about the space of a half hour. And then he says, Lord, whomever comes in waters, me and my animals, Lord, let that be her. And here she comes. And it had to be, he can't just sit there and pray. And now, okay, let's just wait. Just wait. No, he says the prayer, and here she comes. See, the Holy Ghost went before him. Already went before him. He already left and went to get Rebecca ready. Rebecca's at home and she's like, okay, I must uh, step to the righteous order by the Lord. Let's go to the well. Why are you going to the well for? I don't know. We're going to the well. Let's go. But it's not the right time. It is for me. It is for me. It's the right time for me. And she goes there, and you know what God has, it is. But, but that Eliezer brings back a wife for Isaac, brings back the right one for Isaac. Now, this is very pertinent to where we're at right now. So now you're standing here 3,000, 2,500 years later, whatever it is. <clears throat> I'm off my math, I know. And you have John the Baptist saying that I just pointed at him. And he said, I'm not him. I'm not the bridegroom. I'm not him. He who has the bride, he's the bridegroom. I have a wedding band on my hand, my finger right here. I am Bethany Parker's husband. She's my wife. She's my bride. She's mine. The man that married me, the man that you introduced me, they're not her husband. I'm her husband. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. He said, but the friend, the Eliezer to the bridegroom, uh, to the bride, the Eliezer, that servant to God. Remember, I'm I'm not God. I'm of thy brethren, a fellow servant to God. And he that is with them has pleasure in that that union, has pleasure in that coming together, has pleasure to see the will and plan of God coming together. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the blood, the, 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 the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because the bridegroom's voice, the bridegroom's voice, keep that in mind, I'm going to read you something in a minute, the bridegroom's voice the bridegroom's voice, this my joy, therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. That should be your prayer every day, Lord. Let me decrease and let you take control. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. What he hath seen and heard that he testified, and no man received his testimony. But he that hath received his testimony, he that believed it. Again, that word preached to them did not profit them whatsoever because they had an evil heart of unbelief and they was not mixed with faith when it was preached. How many services have you sat in in your life and something was preached and it did nothing to you, did nothing for you? They take the Bible and read right out of the Bible. And I'm not talking about the anointing of the person, but actually read right out of the Bible. Read a promise of God right out of the Bible and you're just... 
Is it over? Not being mixed with faith. Not being mixed with faith. Do you believe he's God or he's not? Do you believe God's speaking to you or do you not? You've got to be mixed with faith. He said that what he has seen and heard and testified, no man receives his testimony. But he that received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Has set to his, have you set to your seal that God's true? The Bible says, let every, man, let every man's word be a lie, may God's word be true. That even be your word. Well, I feel this way. I think this way. If it's contrary to his word, take his word. I want to read something to you out of the third seal. This is paragraph 180 out of the third seal, Charity. Paragraph 180. Brother Ram said they miss him. They miss him, the living word manifested in the flesh by the word that is promised. Okay. God prophesied what would happen. Word for word. Prophesied what would happen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Prophesied word for word what happened. Then he comes and he's standing there exactly according to prophecy. And they said, you're of your father the devil. You're Beelzebub. You're Belial. All these different things. All these different things calling him. He's like, I prophesied that. I, I, I had my prophet Isaiah. I had Jeremiah. Everyone prophesied that I'd be here. And I am here perfectly as I prophesied. And yet you're saying that I'm the devil. They miss him, the living word, manifest in the flesh by the word that's promised. The word promised to do these things. The promise was made that it'll be like this in the last days. It, we, we're not going to get to Luke 17 today, but as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Solomon and Gomorrah. Anybody looked outside in a while? Solomon and Gomorrah is nothing compared to what's going on outside right now. Nothing compared to what it is. The promise was made that it would be like this in the last days, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now watch what happened at Sodom. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. See, watch what happened then. He said it will be the same thing, and we live in that day. You believe that? He said, well, he said, I could get 600 promises in like that out of the Scripture, just referring to it. He said, but they still reject it. Her, that, that woman there, she held to traditions and substitute. She held to the substitute blood instead of the real, real blood. Okay, now he's talking about them, those scribes and priests and Pharisees. They wanted to keep the traditions up, the offering of the lamb, the offering of all those things. And we're going to keep this. But he said, but the blood of God is standing right here. I'm ready to be offered for you. And they're like, no, no, we'll keep this. We like this. Yeah, this is better. It don't even last a year. It don't even last a year. And that's better. But they held to that. To that substitute blood instead of the real blood. Jesus the word. And when it was manifested to her <clears throat> because she held to those traditions. Jesus the manifested word said to the bride, the Hebrew bride. Because you hold to your traditions, you make the word of God without any effect to you. It can't be effective. And I've shared with you so many times the last few years, that scripture blows me away. How that something they could do would make the word of God none effect. I, I, that baffles me and stumbles me. I can't believe something you would do would make the word of God none effect. The most powerful thing. And you make it of none effect. And they do it by the traditions and holding to the ideas of man. Paul would say, I was zealous. I was very, very zealous in the tradition of my father's. 
He didn't say holding to the word of the prophets, holding to the word of God. He said, according to the traditions of my fathers. Very zealous, he said. Very zealous. No, this is what it is. This is what it is until he met him. He said, because you hold to your traditions, you make the word of God without any effect to you. It can't be affected. Now, he said, that's what the reason today that the revivals that we're supposed to have, we've got denominational revivals. We haven't had a real stirring. It's on the board. Haven't had a real stirring. No, 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 no. No, sir. <laughs> Don't think we have gotten revivals. We haven't. Oh, they got millions and millions and millions of church members, but not a revival nowhere. The bride hasn't had a revival yet. See, there's been no revival there. This is, I'm in past tense now. I'm in past tense. I'm telling you about what it was then. Under any of those creeds, those dogmas, I'm talking Pentecostal, I'm talking Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, any one of them had not had the bride's revival yet. He said the bride has not, hasn't had a revival yet. This is in the third seal. He said there's been no revival there, no manifestation of God to stir the bride yet. Pause. At this point, this is the third seal. Brother Brown, I would have been around the world seven times. At this point, first, second, third, first and second, and third pull, first, second, and third pull had already been manifested, had already had squirrels created, had already had a storm stop, had already had Sister Hattie's Wright's kids give back to her, and Sister Meany's tumor was spoke out of existence. Spoken out of existence. And he said, There's been no manifestation of God yet to uh, wake the bride. So what is she looking for? She, that's not what excites her. That's not what wakes her up. The call come. Behold, the bridegroom comes. That wasn't what woke her up. It was the revealed word. It was the bridegroom coming. Woke her up. Amen. You ever been to a revival? Anybody you ever been to a revival? An actual revival? Shouting, screaming, jumping, shouting, running, praising God. That's what's called a revival. You revived your soul. Okay, let's talk about this. You ever seen a storm on a lake? A good storm. I mean, a good storm. It goes through a lake. And, it, you know, that storm's not adding water to the lake. It's just, just stirring everything up. Stirring everything up. And it's throwing the junk off the bottom up on the shore. Up off the shore. But it's stirred up. You ever see, in, in the middle of that storm, is the water just going... See, Paul told Timothy, stir it up. Stir up that pure mind. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Well, that's Peter. Stir it up by your pure mind remembers. I'm sorry. But, but stir it up. Stir up that gift of God. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Let the word of God bring it back to your vision. You've got Satan constantly mowing down everything that God has in your heart. You have something drop in your heart. You have a scripture that's quickened. And then next thing you know, I've got a gas bill due. I've got my gas in the car. It needs to be more. I've got new tires. I need this. I need this. And next thing you know, what was I thinking about earlier? Stir that back up. Think on these things. Think on these things. Cleopas and his friend are walking on the road to Emmaus, and they're talking about what God had done. Been talking about what God had done. If they'd have been talking about their gas bill, been talking about needing a new car, needing a new this, right, the job, all those things, would he have stepped out of the bush? They were talking about things of God and said, here I come. Jesus would say, we're two or three are gathered together in my name. I'll be in their midst. I'll be in their midst. 
Okay, the bride hasn't had revival yet. See, there's been no revival there, no manifestation of God to stir the bride yet. He says, see, we're looking for it now. It'll take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again, see? Yeah, he'll send it. He promised it. There you go. He'll send it, period. He promised it, period. Now watch. This is the third seal. Now watch. He said, she was dead. Now, if the churches, if the churches would forget their creeds, forget their dogmas, and just take the Bible. Just the Bible. Just take the Bible. Just the Bible. And say, I believe the Bible. Now, his very next words are, plead the promise. Take the Bible, plead the promise. Then what you read it out loud. The word of God would come effective to you? Anybody want that? Anybody? Anybody at all? Anybody? To become effective to you. The prophet would say that the full maturity of the word has turned back again in you. Well, that's the way things have always been. I guess it's going to stay that way. Not when you wake up. Not when you come alive. I don't care what threat, claim, or thing Satan has done at this point. He can hold no longer. He said, but Jesus said, you with your traditions make the word of God not effective to you. He said, well, that's the th- same thing today with spiritual Eve. See, the spiritual bride of today, so-called. Everybody with me? Spiritual bride today, so-called, the church. He said, the, um, she takes the word of God and she won't accept it. See, we done read to you and Peter said, acceptable to God. She takes the word of God and won't accept it. Will you accept the word of God? <laughs> She takes the word of God. She won't accept it. Instead, that's my word, instead of the word of God, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, you have the word of God here. This is what you have available to you. God says, it's yours. I give it to you. And she's like, I'll take creeds and dogmas. No, she'll take, she won't. She accepts dogmas instead. Therefore, the word is not effective to her because she tries to inject her creed with the word and it won't work. I've told you so many times, I want this Bible to work. I want my walk with God to work. I want to know that when I pray, that that prayer will be answered. I want to know how to get prayers answered. And I want to know God. I want to, I want to know him because these are things his word says. This is nothing but the truth, nothing but the truth. And it will work when it's met, right? It will work. Now I'm going to jump over to the sixth and seventh seal. Um, let's, let's, let's go to paragraph 61, Charity, in the seventh seal. Paragraph 61 in the seventh seal. Here's the reason I like to do these things. Just type that in. Here's the reason I like to do those things. Here is the reason I like to do those things. He says, you'll learn... A little later now, see, when I go to a place, I like to set my feet down there knowing that God said go there. Knowing that God said go there. I like to set my feet down. Wherever I go, I'm here in the name of the Lord. He said, I want to set, there's a reason why I do these things. 
He was talking to a brother just then about setting up dates to come preach somewhere. He said, I'm going to pray about it. I'll get an answer. That's what he's talking about. He said, the reason why I do these things, that way I know that when I get out of the car, when I get off the plane, I'm here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, the reason I like to do those things, you'll learn a little later now. When I go to a place, I like to set my feet down there knowing that God said, go there. Then if the enemy rises up anywhere, I say, I'm here in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Why not? No effect. The word no effect. No effect. Has no effect. Demons will laugh at you. They will laugh you to scorn. Okay? Let's look at it like this. How particular it's got to be. The sons of Sceva go to cast a demon out of a man. Sons of Sceva, they said it like this. We adjure you in Jesus whom Paul preaches. And it says they barely escape with their lives. They run naked. There's no telling what that demon did to them. They had no power. They had no power. No effect. No effect whatsoever. <clears throat> I am here in the name of the Lord Jesus. Just move back. Just move back. The Ram said, I don't scream demons out. I don't stomp demons out. I don't froth at the mouth. Satan flee. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm not here to debate with you. I'm not here to negotiate with you. Get out. Get out. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan, get out. Take your hands off of God's property. I walked in this church this morning. I said, Satan, you've got one or two choices. You either run for your life or you stay and be destroyed. I do that every time now when I walk in that door. You either run for your life or you stay and be destroyed. I'm not playing with him no more. You move back. He said, you sure, you're sure, you're ground. When he sent you anywhere, he'll take care of you. That's too simple, ain't it? Anywhere God sends you, he'll take care of you. You believe God sent you here? I believe God sent us here. I do. I believe God sent us here. I, I've said this many times where God moved each one of us from all over this planet, all over the United States to be right here in Bentley, Kansas. We're sitting right now in a building that's an absolute paradox, what God has done. I've told them repeatedly, we're not Methodist. We are not Methodist. And they said, we want to see it live. Do you feel the same way? That you want to see this church live? I want to see his word not just live as a word, but in the hearts of believers, as a bright and shining light for the world to see, where it would wake this, this whole town up to the glory and the message of God that he has for this day. That's what I want. That's what you should want. He said, if you go presumingly, he said, then I don't know. He might not be there. So I want to be as sure as I can be. He said, I took many ones that he didn't tell me to take. He said, I'd like to be as sure as possible. I'd like to be as sure as possible. Now, if you'll jump on down to paragraph 63, Charity. He says, now remember, after the fourth chapter of Revelations. I'll let her get caught up. Just go down, I think, two paragraphs. Now, I want it on the board so everybody can read it as I say it. Now, remember, after the fourth chapter of Revelations, the church is gone. The four horse riders has went out. Church is gone. The bride. 
Everything that happened to the church happened up to the fourth chapter of the book of Revelations. Everything happened in the Antichrist move went up for the fourth chapter. The fourth seal of Revelations, both for Antichrist and Christ, ended up. The Antichrist comes to his doom with his army. Christ comes with his army. I shared that with you recently. Brother Ram said that the army of Satan brings sickness. He brings death. He brings discouragement. He brings misery, wrath. He brings all those things. He said the army of God is here to defeat the army of Satan. He said, <clears throat> and the, the Antichrist comes to his doom with his army, and Christ comes with his army. Paragraph 64, it's an old battle that started way back. You have this, is it, is it Revelations 13, Revelations 12, this talks about the old dragon being kicked out of heaven. I always forget exactly which one it is. And then you also have, you have Isaiah 14 that says, O Lucifer, how thou hast fallen. Thou that didst weaken the nations. He says, Antichrist in his army, Christ with his army. He says, an old battle that started way back beyond time, beyond time, Satan and his angels was kicked out. And then they come to the earth and the battle set in again because, hang on these words, Eve broke down the barrier from where she was isolated behind the word of God. She broke it down. From where she was isolated behind the word of God. And from that very hour. And I've told you so many times. One word. Three letters long. One word. Three letters wrong. Revelation chapter 22 says. He that will take from this book. Your name will be taken out of the Lamb's book of life. He that adds to this book. All the plagues in this book will be added unto you. Just take what it says. Just take what it says. She broke down the barrier, and from that very hour, Satan won the battle over God's word because one of his subjects, the weaker, let down the bars. And that's exactly how he's won the battle every time has been, has been because one of his subjects let down the bar from the word. Let down the bar from the word. And we just read that to you. You made the word of God none effect. You made the word of God none effect because you let the word down. You let the word down. You wouldn't hold true to the word. Just take the word. <clears throat> and he said it was done in this last church age through an organizational system which the real genuine holy church of the living God with a lying writer would not accept the word and turn the church from the word to a dogma. Now, let me explain. What had happened was God had moved in that day. God moved in Luther's day. The just shall live by faith. God moved in the next day. And when those men, when God would give that revelation to them and shine that light for their day, those men would hold to that and would stake their whole worlds on that. Other men would see what God did in those men and say, I want that. And as soon as that man would pass away, <clears throat> they would not seek God for themselves. They would not seek God for themselves. They would fall back on whatever traditions they had before. Fall back to it. Fall, turn back to the world. They'd fall back. What was Lot told them to do? Don't look back. Lot was told, get out of Sodom. Get out of Gomorrah. Don't look back. And his wife turns and looks back and becomes a pillar of salt. Just like that. Don't look back. That man, they wouldn't, because you can seek God and get your own answer. You can get your own walk with the Lord. He'll lead you and guide you. You can get your own answer. And you walk with the Lord as he moves in the light of his word for your day. But they would, instead of doing that, this is where you have the scripture that says the borrower is subject to the lender. They were not talking about you borrowing a car note. We're not talking about that. If you are borrowing a revelation from me, if I'm telling you these things, and you're like, I believe it because Sam says it. 
if I change, you have to change with me because you're borrowing my revelation. You must find out for yourselves. This was what was said about the Bereans. You're most noble Bereans because you search the scriptures. You search it out for yourself. What did the prophet say? I can twist this. I can alter that program and make it say anything I want. And you're like, okay, well, I saw it there. No, you go find it for yourself and say, God, is this true for me? And God will quicken it to you. It's not good enough that you just read it for yourself. You say, Lord, open my eyes up to that. And even if there is a typo, he'll correct the error. Even if there's a typo. <clears throat> he said it was done this last church age. The organization through an organizational system, which the real genuine holy church, the living God with a lying rider. Lying rider. Now we're talking about the four, uh, four horse riders. The white horse rider going out with no arrows. Going out to deceive. The, oh, Lucifer, thou that didst weaken the nations. Well, it's, it's not, he, God didn't mean that. He actually meant this. Didn't mean that, meant this. And it pulled them away from the word. But God, we've watched God move. Oh, yeah, 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 I won't argue with that. No, 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 yeah. God did all those things. Sure, sure, sure. But now what he's saying to you now is this, this. Substitute, substitute, substitute from the word of God. They would not accept the word and they turned the church from the word to the dogma. Turned it. From the word to the dogma. Now, go back to John chapter 4. Verse 31. And we'll bring this to a close. John chapter 4, verse 31. That should be the last page you should have open in your Bible. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. And it's the force of having to point up. Forgive me. It's just a force of having me to point up to heaven. We know that heaven's not in the stratosphere. We know that it's in another dimension. It's just a force of habit. Forgive me for that. But you know, you're not terrestrial. You're not earthly. You're from, I don't know how to make a symbol for the other dimension. I'll think of that. We'll come up with something. But he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. So you see where your conversation would naturally be. And I'm using the word naturally be because you're a natural person, you're, you're a natural body, you're in a natural world that's moving toward a supernatural thing. So your conversation is going to be and well, you know, I, I got up this morning, my car didn't run just right or I almost overslept, I'm tired, we got in at 2.30 this morning and, and maybe didn't button every button just right and, and you're just talking about the natural things and your conversation is in natural things. But once you start to look above the natural things and set your eyes on those things of God, everything starts to change. Because you understand, we have written words that come from that other dimension. He said, he that comes from heaven, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He breathed in the ears of those prophets and they wrote down his word. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ wrote the Bible. That's just me. You call me and say, I believe God wrote the Bible. I believe he wrote the Bible. Uh, Hebrews 1 said that in sun-dry times and divers' manners, God spoke to his prophets. He spoke that word to them and they're writing down what he said. Write this down, write this down, write this down, write this down. Spoke to what God said. And now you have those words weren't just brought in through Southwestern Bell. Nobody knows what that is anymore. You just didn't come through Sprint or T-Mobile and just called in from somewhere else. You understand that? You get a phone call and it says write this down. No, it come from, Brother Ram would say Grand Central. 
It comes from Grand Central. It comes from the homeland. It comes from the kingdom of God. Because Jesus told Peter, this revelation did not come to you from this world. It did not come to you from this world. It come from our Father who's in heaven. It come from God himself. It come from the very throne of God. And it was deposited into your heart. And now you've become a receiver for the kingdom of God. And not actually just a receiver. Jesus talks about when that leaven comes, the kingdom of God being like a leaven. When it's put into a barrel of wheat or whatever it might be, now it changes that barrel of wheat into the kingdom of God. So that revelation drops into your heart to this natural thing who only looks at natural things and all of it is. And it comes in. Brother Bram will say, when you start to get a vision of that unseen thing, you look upward and above the things that are happening around you because you're looking at the unseen yet by promise. Looking at the unseen, yet my promise. You're looking at what? Somebody sitting beside you, you're looking at the unseen? What is wrong with you? You hit your head. You might, you just, you got brain damage. No, my mind ain't here no more. The mind of Christ is here now. It's not me. And the reason why I say the mind of Christ is because I'm only saying his words. I'm only saying his words. I've quoted to you his words today. Do you love the word of the Lord? And what he has seen... And heard what he has seen and heard that he testified. That he testified. And no man receiveth his testimony. But he that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Now, Brother Ram talked about working for the railroad as a young boy, as a young man. And he said, We would load these, we'd load these freight cars. And he said, we had to pack. Everything and they're just perfect because this thing's moving and just going down the tracks. That if you didn't have everything packed and shored up, one good curve and everything dumps over and breaks inside. Imagine a freight car full of eggs. A freight car full of eggs, very fragile. You hit one curve, splat, everything's broken. Everything's broken. He said, but they would have to go through. They have an inspector, he said, which is a type of the Holy Ghost, that goes through and inspects that cart, makes sure everything is packed just right. And once it's shut, the Holy Ghost puts his seal on it. It says to set to your seal that this is true. I've said this many times. We all sitting here this morning have something in us that is still in our, in our memory, still in our complexes, still in our frustrations that's not true. Each one of us does. And God is pulling those things out of us that's not true, that we don't even realize. Those things that are not true, it's got to come back and line up to the word. This might seem strange to you this morning. Maybe it's not doctrinal. Maybe it's not doctrinal. Maybe it's not Bible, things like that. But also, at the very least, are you sitting in a restored body this morning? A healed body this morning. See, the Word says you're healed. The Word says you're delivered. The Word says you're set free. And if you're sitting here this morning bound, sick, that you're not lining up with the Word. And God's got to pull that doubt out of your mind, that lie out of your mind, and replace it with the Word of God, which is the only thing that's true, which will bring this into subjection to the Word. Let's all stand on our feet this morning as we have our musicians come. As it was asked earlier, keep Dad and Aaron and Levi in prayer as they come back to the meetings this weekend, this, this, this afternoon. And it's very, very difficult to leave. Very, very difficult to leave. And we, we of course, wanted to come back for service this morning, so I, I didn't fault them at all for staying. And, and just, it, it's a blessing. I was thinking on um, Saturday night, Friday night, <clears throat> Friday night <clears throat> I was looking around the room and you had um, I don't know at least seven churches represented six or seven churches from Texas to Oklahoma to Missouri to Kansas and I don't know in Tennessee Florida, Florida. 
You're right. Brother Darrell, Brother Danny, my goodness, yes. So all these different churches and, and a lot of the people sitting around the room in the pre-service, I'm looking around the room and I've gotten to know a lot of these brothers and sisters and got to hear a lot of their testimonies. Now, if you just walked in the room and see those people sitting there, you might not think anything of it. We had a couple sit in front of us last night that before they give their heart to God, they were bad alcoholics. They both blew out their livers, dead, overdone. God healed them and gave them both brand new livers. Last night alone, we had a couple sitting right behind us that the wife had been healed of pancreatitis. God restored her pancreas. Her husband was healed in the same meeting, and he's no longer diabetic. He'd been diabetic ever since a young boy, and the doctor said, you are no longer diabetic. That's just two couples. As you look around these rooms and know the testimonies, that's a restored life. That's a restored life. That's a restored life. God set them free. God's healed them. And there's just miracles everywhere you look. You see the miracles of God. This is a pre-service now. The miracles of God standing there, clothed in the right mind. Some of them were probably demon-possessed at one point, not in their right mind bound down by some kind of chain of circumstance or some lie of the devil that had them pinned down but now they're standing they're free and then the song service started and the praise of God began to come off lips that have been redeemed and bodies and hearts that have been redeemed and they're singing praise to God and you can see the praise of God being perfected amongst his people you see his miracles in his bouquet. Do you love the Lord this morning? Dwelling in him. Oh, how I love him. Oh, how I love him. <clears throat> how I adore My breath, my sunshine, yes, he is my all in set your heart on fire this morning. God's Sing it to him again. I pray you mean that this morning. Oh, how I love him with all my heart. How I adore Don't you love him this morning? My all in all. Oh, the great creator. He became my Savior and all.
sing it to him once again. Oh, how I love him. How I adore. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace, so grateful that you love us, Lord, that you have taken time out of your day, Lord, out of your, out of your moment or whatever. You, you've got a lot going on keeping the solar systems running, and that's plural. You keep solar systems running, stars hanging in place, sun spinning, all that gravitation, all that you do every day, Lord, creating and designing new clouds, Lord, new snowflakes every day. Oh, Lord, you're so wonderful that you would take time, Lord, to love us, that we would be your purpose, Lord God, that you would want us, that you would desire to be married to us, to be want to live with us throughout the ceaseless ages. Lord, we know very well what we deserve, and we thank you for being a merciful and just God. Lord, I pray that as we continue to walk with you, as you continue to unfold and open your scriptures to our heart, just like you did Cleopius and his friend, Lord, unveil yourself to us. We love you so much, Lord, and we want more. As simply as we know how to say, Lord, we want more. All that we've seen of thee, we have found to be so beautiful, to be found so wonderful, Lord. All of your scripture is true. The words that it uses to describe you in our heart almost seems to pale in comparison, Lord. We just don't have words good enough to describe you, Lord. But we can simply say this morning in one heart, in one accord, that we love you and we thank you for being our God. Lord, as your word has come forth today, I pray that it's fallen into really good ground, really good tilled up ground, not with a root of bitterness, not in a stony heart, but a soft and pliable heart that's been brooded over by your Holy Ghost, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your relationship with your bride. We thank you for getting to be a part of that. Lord, I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters here today. We've been in a very hot battle, Lord. Ever since you've given us this church, seems like Satan has turned open every gun. Everything he's got, he's thrown our way. But Lord, we're still here. And we're not still here on our own strength, Lord. We might would have given up by now. But your saving power and your mighty right hand keeps us held up, Lord. And we can say nothing but thank you. Thank you, Lord. And I believe if you're continuing to preserve this move, what you've done in our lives, Lord, I believe you've got great things in store. 
Lord, I, I know personally of several prophecies that's been said about this church that for that to come to pass is going to be nothing less than interesting and amazing, Lord. But I believe your word. And Lord, I, I want your word to take effect, not just in the heart of each believer sitting here today, not just in the heart of those that would watch the recording, Lord, but we want to see this thing live in our neighbors, in the rest of this town, Lord. We want it to spread and spread and spread. Listening to a sermon just the other day, your prophet said, I want to take millions and millions and millions with me. Lord, we don't want Satan to take any. We want to take so many home with us, Lord. This isn't anything about a pride. This isn't anything about status or uh, being all headed up. Or We don't care nothing about that, Lord God. We would stay just as, as humble and as little as you would have us, Lord. But we want to save souls from hell. We want others to see the light of this glorious gospel that you've let us partake of, that you've let us taste of, that you've let us understand, that you've let us come into our hearts and changing us as we stand here right now. We want others to see this, Lord. We're not greedy. We're not selfish, Lord. We want our neighbors to have this. We want our family members to have this. We want them to know you like this, to know how real you are, how great you are, how kind you are, Lord. This is our desire. This is our request, Lord. We lay ourselves humbly at your feet, and we simply say, have your own way, Lord. Be with our brothers and sisters, Lord. Touch their bodies. There's a good bit of sickness amongst us, Lord. It doesn't matter what it is, a blood disease, a spine disease, a, a, a sinus infection, anything like that. You're still the God that heals all of our diseases. By your stripes, we are healed. I pronounce that this morning as thus saith the Lord. Your word says that we are healed. And, Lord, we claim it for ourselves, for our brothers, our sisters. We claim that promise, Lord. We want it in effect, Lord, not none effect. We want it in effect. We thank you for all the blessings, all the grace, Lord. There's so many blessings that, that just come with serving you, Lord. We don't serve you because of the blessings, but be, it's just one of the wonderful benefits, Lord. We love you so much. Be with these brother and sisters. They go their separate ways. Lord, let their heart yearn and long for more and more and more of you. Help us, we pray. We love you, Jesus, in your lovely name. Amen. <coughs> Sing that chorus to him again. Oh, how I love Lift your hands to him this morning. Lift your voice to him this morning. Open up every door of your heart to him this morning. And say, Father, have thine way. Have preeminence in your body this morning, Lord. My sunshine. My all in all. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. The great creator. I'm so glad to know he became my Savior and all God's fullness. Amen. 
dwelling. Oh, don't you want to sing it to him again one more time before we go? Oh, how I love him with all I am. How I adore him. God bless you. You are dismissed this morning in the fear of the Lord.